the short-term parking podcast and i'm jack prebeck and we're all just passing through this morning i was looking at youtube and there was a recommended video i believe the title was bill burr's guitar center story bill burr the comedian he's a funny guy that bill burr I don't know if you know that guy, Bill Burr, funny comedian. Anyway, I thought, well, this ought to be pretty good. A story about Guitar Center, because we all hate, but we all love to hate Guitar Center, don't we? And it seemed like I'd uh, remembered that Mr. Burr was also a a drummer. So I thought, oh, this would be good. A funny guy telling a funny story about Guitar Center. And it's not a video, it's just audio. It's from uh, his podcast. But I was delighted because it was not really at all about Guitar Center. It was mostly about his praise for the great jazz drummer Tony Williams. And he was going into about how he was, I th- believe he said 49 years old and in his 40s he started to take lessons from a pro drummer and he was starting to learn what some of these jazz guys were doing. He was able to analyze what they were playing and he was talking about the song Footsteps from the Miles Davis album Miles Smiles. Footprints, not footsteps, footprints. Written by Wayne Shorter and featuring Tony Williams on drums. And Bill Burr was going on to uh, analyze the rhythmic patterns of the song and the divisions of the beat and such. And it was really nice to hear a guy like him talking about something that in-depth with this music. I guess one of the things that really bugs me is a lot of people my age, a little bit older, and some a little bit younger, they talk about rock music and rock musicians and they say things like well we were fortunate to grow up during a time that had the best music ever the best musicians the rock music that was spewed forth during the 60s 70s maybe some of the 80s why that was the pinnacle of musical creativity and performance nothing ever topped this rock music 
And many of these same people, if they were to talk about drummers or percussionists, will say that there's never been a better drummer than usually the three, the top three that I hear are John Bonham from Led Zeppelin, Keith Moon from The Who, and Neil Peart from Rush. And a lot of these people, not everybody, of course, a lot of these people will act as if it is a given, a constant like the Northern Star, that these drummers were the greatest drummers, rhythmic timekeepers in the history of the world. There's actually a scene in uh, the Ginger Baker movie, Beware of Mr. Baker, which is worth seeing, by the way. It's a fun flick. Where there's a little scene in there, goes by pretty quick, where Eric Clapton was asked, Eric Clapton, who was once known as God, speaking of deifying rock stars, Eric Clapton was asked to compare Ginger Baker, who sometimes makes, makes the short list of the greatest drummers of all time. Anyway, Clapton was asked about how Ginger Baker compares to uh, Keith Moon and John Bonham. And Clapton said something very salient perceptive he said that there is no comparison because ginger baker was a full spectrum musician and that the other two john bonham keith moon were not and what he meant by a full spectrum musician was Probably along the lines of Ginger Baker, you know, actually knew how to arrange music to the point where he arranged the horn parts for his uh, Ginger Baker's Air Force albums. He probably knew how to read music, I'm guessing, if he was arranging those horn parts. And he also played a lot of things that were evolved beyond what he was doing with rock and roll, mainly jazz music. Ginger Baker had a strong background in jazz and he played a lot of jazz after the cream band. And he was able to do some things these other guys were not able to do and that's not to take away from a guy like say John Bonham who had his own feel and produced his own groove you can hear him play and you go that is John Bonham and there are generations of drummers that followed him that are inclined to copy his feel. And he was 
technically adept as well. If you listen to, you know, some of the beats he did in a rock context, they were uh, not just the simple meat and potatoes thing. Keith Moon was very sporadic, very improvisational type of drummer, not conventional, but still really played in a rock context for the most part. There are a few things that he did that delved into some other areas. But if you put him in a position like uh, Tony Williams was in with Miles Davis or what Tony Williams did afterwards, he wouldn't be a a good solid fit. He'd be a fish out of water. And once again, I'm not trying to take away from his playing. I love the Who. I love the Who records. I loved that sound. And not without its intricacies. Neil Peart was, of the three, I would say without a doubt, the most technically proficient drummer. And possibly one of the most technically proficient drummers that uh, has been in a big time rock and roll situation. I read uh, a book that Neil Peart wrote. It was a very interesting book, a very intelligent guy. But he wasn't uh, an improviser. And his performance... He was very self-critical of his performance night to night, gig to gig. And one of the things he looked at was how well he duplicated parts exactly. And that is a skill that most people do not have. And you could see where it was a handy skill to have in that context. But you can't compare what he did to somebody like Tony Williams or Elvin Jones or Max Roach or Buddy Rich, which if you read uh, any of Neil Peart's stuff, he will, uh, he pulls no punches in saying that Buddy Rich, uh, was on a whole different level. Anyway, getting back to this uh, Bill Burr stuff, when he was talking about Tony Williams and Miles Davis, and he used the phrase dumbed down, that music has become dumbed down. And that these uh, jazz players, and he was particularly talking about that era of the mid to late 60s. He said that these guys were probably playing way over the heads of 90% of their audience. I'm not particularly wanting to just take issue with Bill Burr, 
That's another thing that's always kind of bugged me. And it's a little odd that he would use it in this context because an audience, a, a performer could be playing over the audience's head and the audience could still enjoy what they're doing. You don't have to be able to analyze that someone's playing six while another person's playing four and you've got some kind of polyrhythm going on there. You don't need to be able to pick that apart and know exactly what's going on to like what's going on. And a lot of times when people use the phrase over their heads in context to artists, they're going over the audience head. It's actually an excuse for being dumbed down or dumbing things down. There's a lot of times where people have said, uh, we shouldn't be playing that. It's over the audience. It's going to be over the audience's head. Simple music for simple folk is what my dad used to say. Because where he grew up, you know, oompa bands and polka bands were the big thing. And he would rather listen to Eddie Lang and Joe Venuti. But simple folk preferred simple music was his theory there. The phrase dumbing down was uh, pretty popular for a while. The first time... I became aware of it was a book by Charlotte Iserbeet. I-S-E-R-B-Y-T. If you want to look her up, she was an interesting character. And I can't remember all of the details. I'm going from memory, not research, as Lou Whitney used to say. But she was appointed by Ronald Reagan to be the secretary of education or something like that. And she became disillusioned with uh, the whole education system and was then given the elbow by the Reagan camp. And she went on to uh, do some further work with, I believe, Andrew Sutton. Anthony Sutton that delved into uh, secret societies, skull and bones, that sort of thing, which uh, she had firsthand experience with as her father was a skull and bonesman, a bonesman. Anyway, interesting uh, stuff that she wrote. And she had a book about the dumbing down of America and another educator who uh, used that from time to time was uh, John Taylor Gatto, G-A-T-T-O, who is well worth looking into. And they talked about how our education system was by design meant to not foster education, but rather crank out compliant worker bees 
and Gatto uh, goes into in different books and interviews. He goes into depth about how the Prussian system of education was adopted to mold young people into good workers for the coming industrial revolution and that this happened in around the 1860s, 1870s in America that this system was adopted at that time. And anyway, that's along the lines of what I think of uh, when I come across the phrase dumbing down or dumbed down. And actually, I've used it in a musical context before and pointed out that mainly pop music is considerably less complex in terms of the main musical elements, rhythm, harmony, and melody than it was at one time. And I've gone into that in some previous uh, podcasts here, if anyone wants to look a little back into that, what I've said. But over time, I think uh, a lot of popular music has become less rhythmically interesting, less harmonically interesting, less melodically interesting. And as I've said before, uh, I consider, and it it's not just me, that uh, lyrics are value-added. They're not a musical element. So I'm not really getting into the lyrical substance. And I'd like to point out right here that I specify popular music, which is also corporate music and the type of music that is marketed to the audience. Consumer grade music. So, this thing that uh, Bill Burr went into, the dumbing down of music, coincidentally, possibly, tied in with a tweet that I read on my timeline this morning by a person who I follow on Twitter that follows me, and he said, Western culture... Anti-art, anti-music, anti-talent, anti-intelligence, anti-science, anti-humanity, anti-spiritual, and anti-nature. And part of what I responded with was, I think that Western culture... I think that the Western culture that is packaged and marketed is not the true culture as there is good stuff out there in abundance, but it is purposefully not promoted. And I truly do think that, and that is good news. I think that we have a lot, a lot more of a rich culture than what is normally put up as an example, which is the pop culture. I'll say pop 
philosophy, commercial culture, even pop politics, there is an abundance of quality thinking, quality thought, quality art all around. The downside is you have to hunt it down. You have to look for it, but it's there. When I was a kid, I think maybe eight, ten years old, something like that, my dad took me to, I believe it was the Harry Truman Library, but it may have just been a Harry Truman Museum. But it was in or around Independence, Missouri. So I don't know if it's the official library or not. But I was a kid. And this was back at a time when one of the things you would hear pretty often was that anybody can grow up to be president. That if that's what you want, you could grow up and be president of the United States, young lad. And here was a guy that actually did it. People don't say that really anymore, though, do they? One of the things that impressed me was there was a factoid about Harry Truman. And I can't remember the exact thing, but he read every book in his local library at a very young age. I think there was maybe 28 or 30 books maybe in the library, something like that. But... The point I took away from it, and I remember, you know, thinking this as a kid was, wow, you could really learn anything from anywhere. If you had the resources, you could learn whatever you want to learn. And now that is more true than it's ever been. So... If the education system is dumbed down or it's dumbing people down, that is because they have allowed it to. Or they have made that choice to be dumbed down. And the same holds true for music or any kind of art, really. I think we are at a time where the most fantastic art is being produced. The best music is being made. And it's accessible to most everyone. And not only that, the quality art, the quality music of the past that has been documented is accessible. If you want to learn and analyze Tony Williams drum part or how Mozart wrote for strings or how Pablo Picasso or Monet did brush strokes Or what was on Charles Bukowski's mind. Or any of the great philosophers. 
politicians, novelists. It's all there for the taking. And I think that people left to their own devices not only have the ability to learn, they have the desire to learn. That may be the big, uh, the big takeaway from this uh, age of authoritarianism lockdown is that people are being forced to homeschool their kids. And it may just, uh, a great number may just look at uh, their kids' progress and notice that they have possibly learned more outside of school. What a dangerous thought that is. But I digress. And going full circle back to what Bill Burr was talking about, I've uh, recently come to realize, you know, to what a degree of musical snobbery I held on to. And a lot of it had to do with drums, percussion, the beat, the timekeeping, and uh, my my refusal to accept any music that was... uh, rhythmically computer generated or digitally sampled. And I've talked in the past couple episodes about these playlists I've been putting together on Spotify. These little playlists that are uh, usually around 40, 45 minutes long that I use as background music for my workout. I wake up in the morning, I get on Spotify and I put together a playlist. And one of the things I do is very purposefully look for new music that crosses quote-unquote genres. And I've got to tell you that it's really been a mind-altering, mind-expanding process. I'm finding fantastic music that is new. And one of the things... See, one of the other things about... Uh, all of this was I under the assumption before this that places like Spotify, YouTube, what have you, the streaming world, the digital content world, that these places were overwhelmed by a glut of bad stuff because anybody has the ability to go up there and post stuff, which is not necessarily true, especially on your streaming services like Spotify. You have to lay out a little bit of money for the distribution to get your record up there. And uh, also, I've talked about this before too, things like copyright fees. And of course, you know, whatever it costs you to record it or the gear you have to buy to, in order to record it. Anyway, I was under the assumption that there was just a, a glut of crap, but it's not really the case. And maybe it's because of the certain types of things that I am looking for. I mean, I have a little bit of an idea what I'm going after. I'm not relying on the algorithm at uh, Spotify to point me in the right direction. 
But I'm finding stuff, and I look at the uh, artist profile a lot of times, and they may have uh, they may have a million monthly listeners. They may have fifty thousand. They may have a thousand. They may have a hundred. They may have a handful. And that is not an indicator of quality. I'm finding great stuff by people who have minimal listens and minimal listeners. And I'm talking about uh, well-performed music in traditional idioms, such as what would be considered jazz or blues or country or rock and roll and electronic music and modern composition a wide wide variety of stuff and while there may be a glut of crap on the market there has never been a glut of quality the likes of what is available to anyone basically now. And frankly, that fills me with positivity, dare I say hope. And if you're, you know, wanting to know where I find this stuff and what I'm uh, talking about, the best thing to do would be go to Spotify and type in filters off and I've done a, a number of these playlists I believe 28 as of today and there's a lot of new stuff on there that's really great as well as some old stuff that's really great familiar stuff or unfamiliar and with that, uh, once again, thank everybody who has tuned in or looked me up on YouTube or Instagram or Spotify. And as is the tradition around here, I'm going to leave you with some music. And today's cut from my latest release, Trespass, today's cut is called Oil change. Oil change. <laughs>